Are you ready for the end of the world? You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Man, what's next? How many of you have been listening to this show for over 10 years and have been listening to me say the same promo and realize... I don't remember what it is anymore. I've been saying it so many years. This is Orda Energy Mon, and we are live and local in the heart of the heartland. I did want to mention, you know, for Earth Day, the Keep Carbondale Beautiful cleanup. They have now announced the winners on who picked up the most litter. Now, before we get to that, I did read an article that said this year there was about half as much litter as last year. Now, does that mean there was less people picking up? No. Does that mean people are doing a better job of not littering? Probably not. What's happened is Keep Carbondale Beautiful and other organizations have now spread out the cleanup. Instead of just one day, they have do multiple but the big Keep Carbondale Beautiful cleanup right around Earth Day. The winners. The large group. The, these guys were actually the winner last year in the medium group. So they got together a larger group this year. Kappa Alpha. Small group. Alternative spring break. That's cool. And the people, instead of doing spring break, stuck around town and helped clean up the town. That's always inspiring to see that happen. The medium group, Sense, Students Embracing Nature, Sustainability, and the Environment. And the individual, Shara, (laughs) I thought I was going to mess up the last name, but I messed up the first name, excuse me. Sharon Schmaga, S-M-A-G-A. And the hundreds of others who helped pick up litter. You are awesome, Now, the people who don't litter in the first place are even awesomer. Is that a word? All right. Let us get to the news. Um, For me, the biggest news is Tesla's announcement that they would get into the battery business for solar energy. We will get to that. Um, It's a big deal because, well, I actually got emails on people who wanted to know are you selling Tesla's product? Um, I have been designing and installing off-grid and battery-based solar systems for almost 16 years now. Um, specifically Tesla's product, not yet, but a couple of my suppliers are going to provide them. But they are a very expensive high-end product in spite of what they've said. All right. A celebration in honor of all mothers. Mother's Day is a time of commemoration and a celebration for mom. It is a time of breakfast in bed, family gatherings, and crayon-scribbled I love yous. Most people think of Mother's Day now as a hallmark holiday, but celebrating motherhood is a historical tradition dating back almost as far as mothers themselves. A number of ancient cultures paid tribute to mothers as goddesses, including the ancient Greeks, who celebrated Rhea, the mother of all gods. 
The ancient Romans also honored their mother goddess in a notoriously rowdy springtime celebration, and the Celtic pagans marked the coming of spring with a fertility celebration linking their goddess Bridget together with the first milk of the ooze. During the 17th century, those living on the British Isles initiated a religious celebration of motherhood called Mothering Sunday, which was held on the fourth Sunday during the Lent season. This holiday featured the reunification of their mothers and their children, separated when working-class families had to send off their kids to be employed as house servants. On Mothering Sunday, the child servants were allowed to return home for that day, and that day only, to visit with their parents. The holiday's popularity faded in the 19th century, only to be reincarnated during World War II when U.S. servicemen reintroduced the sentimental, and of course the commercial, aspects of the celebration. In the United States, Mother's Day experienced a series of false starts before eventually transitioning into the hallmark holiday that we celebrate today. In 1858, Anna Reeves Jarvis was the first woman to hold an official celebration of mothers when in her home in West Virginia she initiated Mother's Work Day to raise awareness about local sanitation issues. During the Civil War, she expanded the scope of Mother's Work Day to include sanitary conditions on both sides of the battlefield. Meanwhile, Julia Ward Howe, author of The Battle of the Hymn of the Republic, attempted to institute a national celebration of mothers that honored women's inclinations towards peace, you know, rather than cleanliness. In 1872, she initiated and promoted a Mother's Day for Peace to be held on June 2nd, which was celebrated the following year by women in 18 cities across America. The holiday continued to be honored by Bostonian women for another decade, but eventually phased out after Howe stopped underrating the cost of the celebrations. Then in 1905, Anna Reeves Jarvis passed away and her daughter, Anna Jarvis, took up her mother's torch. Anna swore on her mother's gravesite that she would realize her lifetime dream of creating a national day to honor mothers. In 1907, Anna launched her campaign by handing out white carnations to congregants at her mother's church in Grafton, West Virginia. In 1908, her mother's church acquiesced to Anna's request to hold a special Sunday service in honor of mothers, a tradition that spread the very next year to churches in 46 states. In 1909, Anna left her job and dedicated herself to full-time letter-writing campaign imploring politicians, clergymen, and civic leaders to institute a National Day for Mothers. In 1912, Jarvis's efforts met with success. Her home state of West Virginia adopted an official Mother's Day. Two years later, the U.S. Congress passed a joint resolution signed by President Wilson, establishing a national Mother's Day, emphasizing the role of women in their family, and not like Julia Ward Howe's campaign in the public arena. 
Ever since then, Mother's Day has been celebrated by Americans on the second Sunday in May. Perhaps the country's greatest proponent of motherhood, Anna Jarvis, ironically, never had children of her own. Yet that didn't stop her from making the celebration of Mother's Day her lifelong mission. In fact, as the holiday took on a life of its own, Jarvis expressed frequent dismay over its growing commercialization. Quote, I wanted it to be a day of sentiment, not profit. End quote. She is quoted as saying. Interesting. Yeah, I wanted to look up and see what Mother's Day and how it came to be. Um, so, I mean, the first official celebration took place in 1858. And then in 1914, Mother's Day was recognized as the national holiday by presidential declaration. Um, more than 60 countries celebrate Mother's Day on the second Sunday in May. In the United Kingdom, Mothering Sunday is held on the fourth Sunday of the Lent season. March 8th marks the celebration of moms in most countries of the former Soviet Union, while the Arab world celebrates mothers on the vernal equinox, which is March 21st. Did you know that on Mother's Day, the President of the United States issues an annual proclamation reaffirming the national significance of mothers to the American people? Did you know that stepmoms in America actually have their own special holiday on May 1st? Of course, of course, you are more than welcome to honor your stepmother on Mother's Day, too. Did you know that there are more than 83 million mothers living in the United States, according to the U.S. Senate? There are approximately 2 billion living worldwide. It's interesting that only 56% of women between 15 and 44 are mothers. 82% are mothers between the ages of 40 and 44. So another little statistic is the age someone becomes a mother is up from 21 at the, in 1970 to now 25.1. So... And then we're down how many? The modern moms have an average of two kids, while in the 1950s, the average was 3.5 kids. And of course, in the 1700s, 7 to 10 kids. Now, here's a t statistic. Did you know that 10.4 million single moms in America are under the age of 18? That's up from 3.4 million single moms in 1970. So, and that seven out of ten moms with a child under the age of one work outside the home now? All right. If you want to get more statistics and information and our newsletter, please send us an email info at yourcommunityspirit.org. We'll be right back with some hard news. Do 
dear climate scientist, just tell it to us straight, please. As the world drags its feet towards the UN climate talks in Paris later this year, one researcher is calling on climate scientists to stop watering down their work to appease those smooth-talking politicians. Quote, The negotiations goal has become what is politically possible, not what is environmentally desired, unquote. Oliver Gidden, head of the research division at the German Institute for International and Security Affairs. He wrote this in an article published yesterday, or I don't know. Let's see, what's the date? On the 6th, in the journal Nature, quote, climate researchers who advise policymakers feel they have two options, be pragmatic or be ignored, end quote. Too often, scientists opt for political pragmatism. Take, for example, the idea that we still limit warming to two degrees Celsius and no ocean he calls, quote, scientific nonsense. The fourth report of the International Governmental, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, released in 2007, warned that global emissions would peak, would need to peak by 2015. Wait a second, that's this year. If we wanted to avoid more than two degrees Celsius of warming, obviously, that didn't happen. Fortunately, the fifth report, which came out last year, stating that we still can avoid catastrophic warming if we hover up, hoover up carbon dioxide by replanting forests and utilizing still-to-be-developed carbon capture and storage technology. Um, for more detailed summary on that, you can check out an article from The New Scientist, and I do have a link in our newsletter. So he warns that while scientists can stand on their lab benches, notebooks held high and follow their findings to the world, and it would be awesome if they actually did, their input will only go so far, no matter what that input is. After all, he wrote, politics is much less about evidence-based policymaking than it is about, quote, policy-based evidence-making, end quote. <laughs> That's interesting. Of course, he has already received some pushback for his article, you know, um, but I mean, we're going to really need a fight in Paris at the climate talks. So hopefully the scientists aren't going to fight each other and hopefully they're going to stand their ground and not allow the politicians to push them to not be so strong in their knowledge. In other bad news, ticks are spreading and so is Lyme disease. Let's get that quote, all nature creatures are special disclaimer out of the way so we can have real talk here. Ticks are straight up gnarly. Any animal with mouth parts Designed like that specifically for the purpose of boring into my skin for a blood meal has no interest in being a poster child for zoophiles. Additionally, uh, I can't. 
So, as far as scarfing your sweet blood isn't offensive enough, some species also transmit debilitating Lyme disease. And climate change is likely enabling both the spread of these mini monsters and increasing the chances that they will affect you. It's getting so bad that researchers are recommending Lyme Disease Awareness Month to be held to actually being moved from April to May. From Scientific America, the number of confirmed cases of Lyme disease in the United States has been on an upward trend according to data. Now, editorial here. Is there more confirmed cases just because more people are going out into nature? That's my question. Now, climate change is increasing not only the range in which Lyme disease-carrying ticks can survive, but the amount of time in which the ticks can feed, according to a recent study published in the journal, Philosophical Transition of the Royal Society B. That's the name of a journal. (laughs) Um, To prevent tick bites and Lyme disease, experts advise that you should avoid heavily wooded areas, stick to the center of trails, and check your body thoroughly after spending time outside in warm months. Or if you've seen one swell up to the size of a grape on the back of your Uncle Mike, you can do as I do and just never go outside again. Just kidding. And now for our headline article. Elon Musk unveils fancy new Tesla battery. How many of you have been paying attention to this? This was already a week ago. Um, here's a, We live in a world where I can say, Elon Musk, leader of the space transportation company SpaceX, just announced that Tesla will be churning out power walls from its gigafactory in the desert by 2017. And it makes complete sense. That's freaking awesome. If it doesn't make you excited about living in the 21st century, I don't know what will. Musk announced his new battery business, Tesla Energy. His goal is to riddle the world with much-needed solar power storage devices that will usher us into a post-fossil fuel carbon zero future, thus saving humankind from climate apocalypse so what have you been up to this morning speaking to a packed room powered entirely by the company's first line of batteries Musk kept things pretty simple quote we have this handy fusion reactor in the sky called the sun you don't have to do anything it just works shows up every day and produces ridiculous amounts of energy end quote but there's a problem The damn thing disappears at night. So if the world is going to go solar, it needs batteries. Specifically, it needs new batteries because, as Musk so eloquently put it, current batteries kind of suck. In fact, they're just, quote, really horrible. And to top it all off, they're, quote, kind of a stinky, ugly, bad in every way, unquote. Okay, we get it. He really hates today's batteries. I mean, the technology hasn't improved in 100 years. But what are you going to do about it? He's going to unveil a slick wall-mounted home battery called the Power Wall. 
Now inside there, there's just regular batteries. But it's slick. It's nice. And the best part is it comes with a lot of awesome software. Now, Tesla's selling price to installers is $3,500. Now, that ex excludes inverters, solar, the interconnection, installation. He's actually planning to sell a whole complete unit for $25,000 for industrial size. But again, doesn't include all the other equipment. That's just the batteries. Okay, so all this sounds exciting. And while Musk is a really smart dude, we must remember he's also a savvy businessman. He owns a majority share of the residential solar provider, Solar City, which will be partnering with Tesla Energy. And they've actually have partnered with um, an inverter company out of Israel called Solar Edge. Now, people already are starting to poke holes in the Powerwall hype, but he's generally concerned about the faint of humanity, so much so that he actually wants to colonize Mars and has actually become a leader in the fight for a zero-carbon future, even though he easily could have just taken his big brains and gobs of money off to some secluded island somewhere. I mean, last year, Tesla announced that it would make all of its electric vehicle technology patents open source, allowing competitors to take a peek inside and build off what they've already done. The same policy will hold true for the new battery technology. During the big unveiling, Musk said that he believes solar power is the answer to our current climate crisis. Quote, it's the only path that I know that can do this, and I think it's something that we must do, and we can do, and that we will do. End quote. And I still think it's really awesome that, you know, we have words like SpaceX and Powerwall and Gigafactory, and that I can say a sentence like, Elon Musk, leader of the space transportation company SpaceX, just announced that Tesla will be churning out power walls from its gigafactory in the desert by 2017. a few short stories just the cap of it if you want the complete story you'll have to get our newsletter info at yourcommunityspirit.org new epa carbon rules would save thousands of life science says we're all thinking it i'll just say it carbon emissions regulations are boring nine times out of ten i'll be yawning by the time i get to the regulations part Plus, I don't personally spew CO2 other uh, pollutants from industrial-scale smokestacks. Even though, you know, I am, you know, personally responsible for some of that spew. So it's kind of hard to care about this, this or that incentive or check meant to keep big polluters in line. Well, too bad. It's time to pay attention. Carbon regulations save lives. We were already pretty sure about this, but now science can confirm just how many lives we're talking. Thousands. 
The Obama administration's proposed regulations on carbon pollution from power plants would save thousands of lives per year. If you would like the link to the New York Times article about it, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Breakup of the century. U.S. emissions and economic growth are really, really separating. Call them a couple. The U.S. economy and energy consumption, along with the greenhouse gas emissions they create. They've kind of always grown and plunged together. But as the U.S. embraces energy efficiency and renewables, those things aren't dancing quite to the same beat anymore. In fact, they're, quote, decoupling and could be heading towards a permanent divorce. New data from the U.S. Department of Energy shows that overall, U.S. energy consumption is slowing down as is not expected to grow much at all over the next 25 years, both despite a growing economy and population. Overall, U.S. energy consumption is expected to grow 0.3% annual between now and 2040. That's phenomenal because the average over the last 20 years has been, I, I want to say, 3.8%. So that's half of the expected U.S. population growth rate and dramatically less than the projections for U.S. economic growth through 2040. If you would like to receive the whole article for this, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Now let's go into a little fun. Six problems we'd solve by drawing dicks around them. Someone told the queen to get out her nightstick. There's a new hero in town. The UK Manchester Evening News reported that an anonymous crusader artist dubbed Wanksy is going, getting the city to address the starry, sorry state of local roadways by drawing penises around potholes. This unconventional method seems to be working. Wayne told the Manchester Evening News that many potholes he targeted had been fixed within 48 hours. Some still remain. It's not a 100% success rate, but it works. Now, inspired by his bold act... This article actually has six of them, and some of them are very funny, like politicians in Congress. Um, some of them are, uh, I don't know, serious, like pollution. But if you would like to see the complete list of six problems we'd solve by drawing dicks on them, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. So it is Mother's Day. Stay up all night and no socks day. Sunday is the birthday of Buddha, the birthday of Fred Astaire. Monday is donate a day's wages to charity day and eat what you want day. It's also national third shift workers day. Tuesday is limerick day and the birthday of Catherine Hepburn. Wednesday is Blame Someone Else Day. Thursday is International Migratory Bird Day and National Train Day. And it says Stay Up All Night Night. I thought we had that 
oh, well, it says stay up all night, and then it's stay up all night, night, whatever. Some of them are just silly holidays, but in the Netherlands, next Thursday is National Windmill Day. Let's get to some happenings. The most critical happening is coming up the Nepali Cuisine Fundraiser next Wednesday. But first, let's get to some that happened before then. Of course, don't forget Mother's Day. On Saturday, plant sale, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Epiphany Lutheran Church, sponsored by the Carbondale Guardian Study Club. Also on Saturday, May 9th, Making Peace with the World Book Signing, 1 to 3 p.m. at the Bookworm. On Sunday, May 10th, Trail Stewardship Day, 9 till noon at Touch of Nature Environmental Center. Also Sunday at Carbon, Carbondale Animal Rights Action Team at the Guy House Interface Center, 6.30 to 8 p.m. All right. Some people got so excited. I mean, the DE actually wrote it. On last Wednesday, that it was last Wednesday, they were so excited that Eat a Meal, Help a Nation, Rice and Spice presents Nepalese Cuisine, Authentic Food to Help Raise Money for Nepal. The recent devastation in Nepal has been tragic, but it also has brought us closer together, and nothing signifies togetherness like a good meal. Next Wednesday, May 13th at Gaia House Interface Center, the corner of Grand and South 51. The time is 6 p.m. Come donate. If you do not get a chance, there is an online donation place. You can email me info at your community spirit and I can send you this flyer. Again, Napolis Cuisine. Eat a Meal, Help a Nation, Wednesday at Guy House at 6 p.m. Now, coming up every Wednesday, last Wednesday was the first one, the Brown Bag Concert Series, Wednesdays at noon at the Carbondale Town Square Pavilion. Every Wednesday, enjoy some live music. The musical acts for May are Last Week Was Loose Gravel, this week is Blueberry Blossoms, then The Natives, and then Ripley Pryor. Also coming up regularly every Friday, the Friday Night Fair at the Carbondale Town Square, Friday 6 till 9 p.m. This is a free community event for everyone. They always have, well, they have music, they have vendors, they always have a lot of things for kids. This Friday is the first one. And the musical act is Ivis John. And that's today. Right? It's Friday, huh? All right. The Carbondale Community Farmer's Market, the one inside the community high school, is taking a break until May 16th. They will be back with all of your spring favorites on May 16th and would love to see you there. They sent out a note that said, We've missed being part of your Saturday morning Routine. Expect strawberries, greens, and asparagus, live music, and kids' activities. Next Saturday, mark your calendar for the Sierra Club Native Plant Sale 
and also the Green Earth Monthly Workday. That's both next Saturday, May 16th. All right, this has been another exciting and informative half hour of your community spirit. What do you guys think? Did I do okay without Tree Song? It's so much more fun having someone else to banter with. But today it became a straight news show. If you would like to send an email to us and tell us what you think of what we've done, info at yourcommunityspirit.org. And we do podcast it and put it up there also, yourcommunityspirit.org. We'll see you again on the radio next week. Thank you.